Well, I am excited to bring the Word of God to you this morning. I don't know if you're excited to hear it or not, but I'm excited to bring it. It's the living Word of God. The Bible says it's active and, and alive and it penetrates to our hearts and uh, the Spirit of God uses it and speaks to our life in it. So I'm excited about it. And, and this month, we are in Grow Month. Any of you remember that? Last month we had Serve Month. This week we're in Grow Month. Do something to grow in your relationship with God uh, on purpose. And so we've been looking at um, growing in the Word of God. We looked at last week. Remember we talked about having a good foundation for our lives by doing two things. You remember them? <laughs> How many of you remember last week I said that uh, I believe that you probably, most of you by Wednesday, forgot what I preached. Right? So here and do, right? Here and do the Word of God. That's a foundation uh, for our spiritual lives. And the Apostle Paul said that we should grow in the knowledge of God, right? Peter said that we should grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, our Savior himself, said that we should stay in the vine so that we can grow and produce fruit. Now, I found that in the body of Christ, it seems like everyone is at a different place when it comes to growing in the knowledge of God. You know, there's some people, have you ever met them that, uh, I mean, they've been through the Bible so many times, right, that uh, they, it's right on the tip of their tongue, and they have a verse ready for just about every situation and circumstance that comes into their lives, right? You've met people like that, right? And then there's others who are maybe brand new, and, and, and you're learning the Word, and it's all new and exciting and, and amazing and awesome, and you're just learning so much. And then there, there are people who are kind of in between, right? Somewhere in between those, and you're, you're learning and you're trying to grow. You know, and every once in a while, I'll have people say to me, you know, Pastor Paul, I, I just really struggle getting something out of the Word of God, or I'm not sure I'm doing it right, or I'm not sure I'm really understanding it, I'm not really confident uh, with it, I'm not sure what to do. So this morning, I want to give you some really practical suggestions and tips and methods and helps for understanding and engaging the Word of God so that you can take something from it. All right, so that's the goal this morning. Would you bow in prayer with me over that goal? God, thank you for your Word. God, open our hearts, open our minds, open our understanding, God, and give us a passion for engaging the Word of God for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. All right, so I want to start this morning by telling you a story. Now, some of you have probably heard part of this story, but not the whole story, all right? So when I was a teenager, I often wondered, how can I be right with God? How can I be good with God? And I always used to come up with some method of being good enough. Right? If I could just be good enough, then God would be pleased with me. And uh, I'd come up with all sorts of different methods. Maybe if I could have one more good deed than bad deed, God would be good with me. And uh, if I could be in the top 25% or 50% of people or 75%, you know, some method of being good enough. I always figured, you know, God's going to be impressed with me. I've got I to earn my way. And then, and then one day someone shared with me about grace and about why Jesus really died on the cross. And, uh, and, and so, you know, at first I was, I was confused, right? And, uh, um, and I had never heard about that before, about grace. And uh, I was hearing now that, you know, I could never be good enough on my own, but that Jesus favored me anyway, that God wanted to give me his favor because of what Jesus did on the cross. I'd never heard about that. I was kind of confused. And then he said something to me that was life-changing. He said, why don't you not take my word for it, but read it in the Bible? And see what's true. And so I'd never thought about that. And I said, what, what an idea. So I began to take the Bible every day. I'd go home after school and I'd pray something like this. I'd pray, God, um, 
I've never heard this before about grace and about why Jesus died. I always thought I just had to earn my way. Um, but I want to know what the truth is. Would you please show me the truth? And so I began reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and about the way, by the time I got about halfway through Romans, I realized I, I, you know, there is no way I can save myself. It kept saying two things to me. Paul, you are a dirty, rotten, no good sinner. And the second thing it kept saying is, God really, really loves dirty, rotten, no good sinners. Right? You remember the story Jesus gave where he said two people went into the temple to pray and one was like, oh God, I thank you. I'm not like other sinners. You know, I'm not like this guy, this guy right over there. Right? I mean, he literally did that. Like this guy right there. God, I thank you. I'm not like him. I'm better than him. And then he said, well, this tax collector went in and said, God, he beat his breast, wouldn't even look up to heaven and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he asked, which one do you think went home justified before God? The one who's all self-righteous and I got it down or the one who's uh, crying out for mercy, right? The one who cried out for mercy, who, who was humble before God, right? And so I, I came to this place where I realized, God, I can't save myself. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I prayed a prayer that went something like this, God, I, can't, I know I can't save myself. But I believe Jesus died for me, and I need him to be my Savior. Jesus, would you please be my Savior? I give you my heart, and I give you my life. And I have to tell you something. My life was transformed. It was not the same. It was a radical difference. You can ask Jill about it afterwards, because she was my girlfriend at the time, and she thought I had gone nuts, right? But it wasn't too long before she went nuts, too, all right? But I got to tell you something. That wasn't the end of it. You know what I kept doing? I kept reading the word, right? I continued on through the rest of Romans, right? And first and second Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and, and first and second Thessalonians and Timothy and Hebrews and Peter and, and, and the whole thing, right? You know what happened? I mean, I started to get all of this, this, this knowledge and understanding, right? I was learning so much. But something else happened. I had a lot of something else. You know what it was? Questions. I had an awful lot of questions. I mean, there was an awful lot that I didn't understand. I didn't understand everything all at once. You know, I had questions about the writers. What were their backgrounds? What were they like? Why were they writing what they were writing? I, I had questions about the people who they were writing to. Like, what were those people like? How were they understanding this? I, you know, and how were they engaging what they were was being written to them? And, and I can remember, like, the first time I read Paul's letter to the Romans. I had this question. I was wondering, now, who is Paul writing to? Is he writing to, like, um, believers in Jesus? Or is he just writing to, like, Roman people in general? What's the letter to the Romans, right? I, I didn't know. At the time, it's a question that I had. I had all of these questions about the Bible. And what I want you to see is this. I didn't have all the answers. Right? The truth is, I still don't have all the answers. I mean, I have a lot more answers now than I did back then. But I still don't have all the answers. And I want you to know that it's okay to not have all the answers. To have some things when you read your Bible that, you know, you have this question and you're just not sure about something. It's okay to not have all the answers. What is important is that you are growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you are continuing to be transformed by the Holy Spirit as he uses the word in your heart and in your life. It's okay to not have all the answers. And then something else 
important began to happen as well. As I continued to read, continued to have questions, I would bring them back to this guy who had shared Christ with me, right? And we'd talk about them. And pretty soon, I was bringing Jill as well. And then his wife would come. And you know what we had, essentially? A small group. We had a small group. Somebody say amen. Some small group leader here say amen to that, right? And, uh, and we would engage the word, and we were growing. And, and eventually, you know what else happened? We got involved with the young adults group. Because we were young adults at that time, right? So we got involved with the young adults group. And with, with other young adults, we're getting together, hearing the word. We're discussing the word. We're talking about the word and growing together. And, and there's a few things I want you to take from this story, right? You know, I now have a master's degree in theology. But I didn't come to Christ that way. right? When, when I came to Christ, I knew almost nothing about the Bible. And I'm looking at it you now, and I know some of you think that pastors are born with a Bible in one hand and a communion set in the other, right? Okay, it's not that way. I knew nothing about the Bible. I knew nothing about Bible culture, about Old Testament culture or New Testament culture. Uh, I didn't know what an epistle was. I, I don't think I even knew what a gospel was uh, at the time. I didn't know the difference between a Samaritan and a Gentile. I knew nothing. And yet by engaging God's word in private and with others, I grew up in the knowledge of God. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have a Bible degree or have letters behind your name to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth is for everyone. And the tools that you need are available to everyone. The tools you need to grow are available to you. And so today my goal is to give you some practical suggestions tips and methods and helps for understanding and engaging the Word of God in a way that you can take something from it. All right, now, before I share some of these ideas, I feel like I want to share, again, a few bad ways to engage the Bible. Some of you may remember um, a few months ago I talked about some bad ways to engage the Bible, but based on how you didn't remember last week's sermon, <laughs> I'm not so sure, right? I shared this about six months ago. And uh, I'm sharing them again because sometimes I still hear people, when I listen to you all during the course of church life, I still hear some people saying these types of ideas, that this is how I read the Bible. And then, uh, then I'll hear someone after saying that say something about, yeah, but I don't get anything from it, okay? So it makes me think that I need to say it again. You know, the Apostle Paul said that it's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again, right? Because it's a safeguard for you. So if it's good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. Right, if it's good enough for you. All right, so so here we go. This is um, bad ways to engage your Bible, episode one, re one, number one. All right, here we go. The first bad way to engage the Bible is called the Bible roulette method. All right, this is when you take your Bible, uh, you open it, Randy, and ho hope it fi fires off something good at you, and hoping it's not a zinger. Right, so you maybe just open it up, and uh, the first thing your eyes fall on is maybe Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, and woohoo, that's great. You know, that time Bible roulette worked really good, right? But then the next time you open up your Bible and it says, go, sell all you have and give it to the poor, <laughs> then come and follow me. And you're like, oh God, I know that's a word of knowledge you're giving me for somebody else today. And uh, God, please show me who this word is for so I can share it with them. At best, that just, you know, 
uh, it gives you maybe a little bit of an encouragement at worst. You end up with just scriptures that are out of context and maybe you misapply or you, or you misunderstand, right? So um, Bible rule, that's not a great method to read the Bible. The second one is called this, pinch of salt method, right? This is a... Uh, uh, when you know how at, when you make a meal and you taste it and there's something just a little missing, you go, I know what it's missing. It's just a pinch of salt. It needs a pinch of salt. Well, the pinch of salt method of reading the Bible, it's kind of a similar thing. It's like you prepare your whole day and you prepare your whole week. And uh, at the end of all that, you're saying, you know, just, just something missing. Oh, I know. Um, a little Bible flavor is missing. So um, you uh, take out your, um, your, your Bible or your Bible app you open up, and look right there. It's a verse of the day. You don't even have to... Um, uh, search much, the verse of the day, just enough Bible flavor to make your day feel spiritual, okay? It's the pinch of salt method. That's not a great method either, all right? Now, the third one is this. It's called the uh, mod pizza method. Some people call it the um, a la carte method. I like mod pizza. How many, do you like mod pizza? Oh, yeah, it's great, right? I mean, mod pizza, you get the pizza just the way you like it, right? You go in, you choose the sauce you want, you choose the cheese. What, there's five cheeses? Yeah, put them all on there, right? And then uh, you choose all the toppings you want. Yeah, put all that meat. Is it meat? Put it on, right? And uh, no, I don't want any vegetables, you know? Uh, you know or that. Oh, you know what? Just put just a little on the edge, just enough for my wife to see, and I can take it off later, right? And, uh, and you know, then it goes in the oven, and it comes out, and you get uh, a pizza just like you like it, right? And that's great because when you're eating pizza, it's all about you. It's about what you like, right? And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But some people approach the Bible this way. You know, give me the parts I like. You know, I'll take some, uh, some of the promises, just the good ones, please. And uh, then also some grace, lots of mercy, lots of compassion, all of that good stuff, lots of favor. Throw all of that on there. Sir, do you want some discipleship? Oh, no. I've had quite enough of that for today. You know, how about some dying to self? No, no, no. You sure you don't want the discipleship? Okay, just a little bit. Just enough of the pastor to see. Then I can take it off when I go home. All right. So, uh, you know, it's the mod pizza method. And the, and the problem with, with that is you don't get a balanced meal. Guarantee you, you go to mod pizza every day, you're going to get sick eventually. Right? And I go there. I like the mod pizza. But, you know, you need a balanced diet. Right? And... Uh, and so if you don't have a balanced spiritual diet, you don't want the mod pizza method, right? You're going to get kind of spiritually sick, all right? Now, this has been Bad Boys to Read Your Bible, episode one, rerun number one. All right, so if you don't want rerun number two in six months, then I want you, this is what I want you to do. Listen carefully to what I'm going to say now. All right, listen, really open your hearts to the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to you through what we're going to be looking at now. So now, um, some of you may remember also when we talked about this last time, we introduced something called the inductive method. Oh, that's a fancy word. Maybe a few of you remember. I see a few heads nodding. That's awesome. And if you remember what it is, maybe you remember it from here, this next uh, picture there. We pass out this card, right? Observe, interpret, apply. Observe, interpret, apply apply, right? That's this method of Bible study. We observe what the scripture says. That's the what question. What do I see? And then the interpret is the, the uh, how does it work? I mean, what does it mean um, question? Uh, what is the meaning of this? The Bible has really one meaning. Any passage of the Bible, it doesn't have many meanings. It has one meaning. It means what the author originally intended it to mean. You know, so we're asking, what did the author intend to mean? How did the original hearers hear this? We don't want to put our own meaning into it. And, and the cool thing is, most of the time, especially in the New Testament, the meaning's usually pretty clear. 
It's usually pretty straightforward. I mean, there are some times where there's some things that you have to be careful with, and you know, you're not sure what does this mean. I don't want to misinterpret that. But most times, the meaning is pretty clear. When God says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind, soul, and strength," you don't have to spend six years trying to figure out what in the world that means, right? You might spend a lifetime applying it, learning to apply it, right? But um, the meaning is kind of clear. So observe, interpret, and then apply. Um, that's the how does it work question. How do I make it work? How do I be a doer uh, of the word? Apply it. So there may, you can spend a lifetime applying the love your neighbor as yourself, right? Uh, day after day after day, you can apply that. So one meaning and many applications. And uh, we might say it this way. Instead of observe, interpret, apply, hear, see, do, right? Hear, see, do. Can you say that with me? Hear, see, do. Hear, see, do. Observe, interpret, apply. And what I want you to see is that this simple concept is really at the heart of all of our devotional life, right? Of all of our Bible reading um, is kind of at the heart of that. And so the things I'm going to share with you today aren't something different than all of this. It really uses uh, all of this. It's kind of what unifies it all together. So I'm not going to give you a bunch of different things that are all really complicated and really hard to understand and grasp. It really kind of all revolves around this idea of hear, see, and do. All right, so let's... Let, let's Look at them. Look at some suggestions. Some suggestions I have for you on engaging your Bible. Okay, the first is this. If you're taking notes, make an appointment with God. Make an appointment with God and keep it. A, a recurring daily appointment with God. I mean, think it through and set aside a time that works for you. Right? And here's the good news. God's calendar is wide open for you. Right? You will never hear God say... You know, um, I'm busy right now. How about next Tuesday? God's never saying that to you. Now, I might say that to you if you call for an appointment. Or you hear your doctor say, well, i got these two options this week. Or if you call a specialist, you know, I can see you in three months, right? But you are never going to hear God say, you know, I'm a little busy right now. Can you, can you get back to me later? Make an appointment with God. His calendar is wide open. He can meet with you anytime you want. And choose a time that works well for you. When you get alone, be free from distractions and give your attention to God. Find a time where you turn off the TV. Amen. Where you can get away from distractions and other things like that. You know, they say even um, the mother, is it Susanna Wesley, the mother of the, the famous preachers, John um, and Charles Wesley, uh, and uh, she had like 16 or 18 kids. And she would get alone with God by taking her apron, putting it up over her head. Right? And that was a sign to all her children, leave her alone. They're running around doing who knows what. But she found a way to get alone with God. And if someone with 18 kids can do that, well, then my goodness, we can do that. Amen? All right, you know, I used to struggle with this in my early 20s because, you know, I heard enough of Christian leaders saying things like, you know, the Bible says uh, you, you, you need to pray in the morning, you need to read your Bible in the morning because, you know, the Bible says early will I seek you or God gives you grace for today and, and if, you know, if you want grace for the whole day, you got to pray in the morning, you need to pray in the morning. And the problem for me at that time was this, you know, I was working for a contractor and we were starting at 6 in the morning. And new construction, and often it was over an hour away. So I had to leave by 5 in the morning. So I was getting up at 4 in the morning for devotions. And I was getting up and falling asleep. I mean, I was struck because I, I, I was back asleep again and realized, oh, oh my goodness. Uh, and I wasn't getting anything out of it. 
and then the day would go by, and it'd get to be nighttime, and I'd feel all sorts of guilty because, oh no, the day's gone. What's the use now? The whole day, I can't have grace for today. The, the day's gone. You know, and, and I was hearing that. You know, and, and I struggled with that for, for quite some time. And, until I managed to read some other parts of the Bible, I got a better picture. Because David didn't only say, early will I seek thee. He also said, I will seek you in the watches of the night. And he also said, Lord, I call to you all day long. And I began to get a different picture. The idea is that God is available all day long. Right? Not just at one time of the day. And so I began and I set an appointment at night when I was awake. Right? When, when, when I could really just give myself to God and give him my attention. And you know what? I found God there. All of a sudden, I'm in the Word again more, and, uh, and I'm getting more from it, and I'm growing again, right? Uh, so set a time that works for you. I know sometimes, I mean, it seems simple, but a lot of people overlook this. We just get so busy in our lives. So many important things. Making a time says, whatever else important I have, this is a priority in my life. You make it a priority for yourself, and it says to God, too, this is a priority for me, God. I'm going to meet with you. So set a time. All right, then your second practical idea is this. Learn to pray the scriptures. Learn to pray. How many of you have ever done this? You pray the scriptures, right? Uh, several of you pray the scriptures. I bet you I could call you all up and you could testify for the, for the rest of our time about the benefit and the blessing that has been praying the scriptures. Um, and the cool thing about that is you actually get two spiritual disciplines in at the same time. How many of you like a two-for-one deal? Oh, I know I do, right? You know? Jill sends me to the grocery store, you know, and I go and buy to get some milk, and I see, oh, look at the sour cream there. It's like two for one. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, and I come home and says, look, I got this great deal. I got ten cases, of, uh, ten cartons of sour cream for the price of five. Isn't that great? And she's over there going like, this expires in two days. You know, it's like, what, what are we going to do? So, well, let's have a party or something. Right? I like two for one. You like two for one? Well, here, this is two for one spiritual activity. It improves your Bible reading and your prayer life at the same time. You know, sometimes I hear people think that we have to keep our Bible reading and our prayer time separate from each other, right? Two separate different ones. What if it was one discipline? I mean, we often say prayer is supposed to be a conversation, right? Not a monologue. Well, the overwhelming majority of what God wants to say to us is in his word. Maybe 99% of everything he needs to communicate to us is in his word. I know sometimes you've got to pray about something like, who am I supposed to marry? Oh, what should I take this job? You pray about things like that, and you, you get the wisdom of the spirit coming. But 99% of what he wants you to hear it is, is in his word. And the Bible says the spirit takes from what? From what Jesus said and applies it to us, right? That's part of what the Holy Spirit is doing. So if you're trying to hear from God without engaging his word, you're going to be missing 99% or more of what God is trying to say. So we shouldn't be surprised to find that when we're reading God's word and, and praying over it, that we're finding that God, the Holy Spirit, is having a conversation with us. He's communicating with us. Pray the word. So this is how it works, all right? You begin reading, and uh, you turn what you read into a prayer. Begin to talk to God about what you're seeing. So how does this work? Well, start where it's easy. There's a lot of places in the scripture that are already prayers. Like the entire book of Psalms are prayers. And you can pray them back to God. So let's see how this works. Let's do this with Psalm 23. 
So you take out your Bible or your device, right? You turn to Psalm 23. You're going to be there today. And, you know, you, you set aside your time, right? And you get there and uh, you begin to pray and you're looking at the scripture that says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And the spirit begins to move on you and begins to say, You know, God, thank you so much for being my shepherd. God, thank you so much for watching over me, for taking care of me. Actually, God, when I look back over the last week, I can see you took care of me in a bunch of ways. When I look over the last month, and my God, you've been taking care of me, God, and uh, thank you for that, God. Be my shepherd today, God, and I lack nothing, God. Uh, thank you for that, uh, God. You've always taken care of me. You've always provided for me, and uh, I know the world would say I'm not rich, God, but um, God... Truly, I am rich because I have a father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, God. Uh, God, help me realize, too, help me remember uh, that I lack nothing. And uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Oh, yeah, God. Um, God, you see the stuff I got to face at work. And there's a lot of unrest there this week, God. It's all um, evaluations and everything else happening and people in from corporate. And there's a lot of stress happening, God, and I've been stressed out, God, but God, lead my soul beside quiet waters. Give me peace. God, I pray. Well, everyone else around me is in turmoil. God, give me some peace. Um, lead me, quiet my soul, God. Quiet my soul and refresh my soul, God. I've been so stressed out. God, refresh my soul. Um, pour out your spirit in me. And you see, you just go through the psalm that way. You know, and, and I'm, maybe I'm a little bit general with it because I'm trying to apply it to all you people. But, but when you do this, you'll be even more specific with it. You apply the exact things that, that, that you're facing, that you're going through uh, in your life as, as you pray through the scriptures. All right. So um, and, and you can do that going through an entire psalm. But sometimes, I mean, you can be flexible with it. Like what happens if... Um, you know, there may be a time where one particular verse or two verses just really stick out to you. You don't have to force yourself. Maybe you read the whole thing, the whole passage, but you just go back to those one or two scriptures and you're praying them through. Like, what if, what if I've been facing a fearful situation in my life and I've been afraid? And as I'm reading, I come across this scripture in Psalm 27. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall, of whom shall I be afraid? You know, and I've read maybe a, a large passage, but I just stop there and begin really praying over those verses. God, you know, I begin to pray, God, you see this situation I'm facing. The, the truth is, you know, I've been a little afraid. I've been a little fearful. But God, I confess right now that you are my stronghold, that you are my fortress, that you are my rock, God. I confess those things. I've been fearful, God, but I know you will not forsake me or leave me. You're faithful and you're my rock, God. And uh, God, I confess, I felt like I've been groping around in the darkness a little bit. You know, not having light, but God, I can see now that it's because my eyes and heart were on something else, God. But now I'm focusing on you. God, I confess, you are my light. God, continue to shine your light on me. I need your light, the light of your word, the light of your spirit. And you see how that, that one verse... Right, can, can prompt you into this, this prayer time and enliven your prayer life. So it's not just, uh, oh, God bless mom. God bless dad. God bless Susie. God bless cousin Larry. Um, God, uh, you know, bless um, um, who else? Well, um, well, God, let there be world peace. And yeah, I guess that covers it all. Peace out, God. Peace out, all right. I mean, 
so that your prayer life isn't, it doesn't sound like that day after day after day. You've got something from the word that God is talking to you about. You might pray the whole passage or just a verse. One more example I give you about praying the word, all right? Um, you know, what if you're in a passage of scripture that's not a prayer? You're not in the Psalms. Well, um, you're in the Gospels or the letters or Acts. Well, you can actually still pray the scriptures. Only It might not be verse by verse. You're really praying the meaning instead, right? So, for example, let's say you're in the parable of the sower, right? And you're, you're reading in Matthew chapter 13, and it starts with this verse. This is the parable of the sower. And it says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Well, you don't stop there and start praying, Oh God, please help me go out of the house today. God, help me sit by the lake today. Because I want to be like Jesus. And he sat by the lake, so I want to sit by the lake today. God, help me find a lake to sit by. I mean, maybe there's a day you just need that, right, on occasion. But, but normally that's not how you, you pray that verse. So what, the way you do is you keep praying. and You go through this whole... Uh, parable and God begins to speak to you and you begin to see what is the meaning here oh it's about the condition of our hearts it's about the soil of our hearts you know some seed falls on uh, some some seed doesn't receive the word right some hearts um, are rocky and the word doesn't get good roots and can't withstand persecution some hearts are weedy and the word's choked out by other cares of life and some hearts are like good soil and you see the meaning of all of that right and you begin to ask God, how does this apply to me? And the Holy Spirit is starting to speak to you. Maybe he's saying, you know what? Um, it's been a while since you've made an appointment with me. I'm glad you're here, but um, what's been going on here? And you're like, oh God, you're right. There's been some weeds growing here. And um, I've been involved in other things that aren't as important. God, God, forgive me. Forgive me for that. Pull these weeds out. God, I need to, to refocus. And, or maybe you've been going through a real difficult time. Right? And, and you begin to pray, oh God, you see these persecutions that I've had come into my life, or some trial, or some difficulty, and uh, uh, God, but help your word grow deep into my heart. God, help me, I don't want to have rocky soil, God, I want to have good soil, right? And you begin to engage the meaning and pray through the scriptures. All right, so that's praying through the scriptures. I, I hope that all of you try praying through the scriptures, all right? Um, here's another method that's very similar. It's called the soap method. Any of you heard of it? A few of you, the soap method. My daughter Emily uses this with the youth a lot on Wednesday nights, the soap method. And uh, I like that because the Bible says you need to be washed with the water of the word, right? So soap method. And it stands for this. Scripture, observe, apply, and pray. So it's very similar. Scripture, observe, apply, and pray. So you choose a passage of scripture that you're in. You read it. You reread it. Read it several times. I encourage you. Um, it's often better to read a, a, a section several times than to try to just read four or five, you know, chapters all, all at once, you know. Sometimes both are good, but you should be doing both, really. Sometimes you just reread the same thing several times. So it's the scripture, and then you observe it, you're observing it, you're, you keep seeing it, you keep asking, what is here, what do I see, what does God want me to see, what is the meaning here, and once you get some idea of what, it, uh, uh, what you're seeing and what it means, then you begin to apply it. You begin to ask God, how does this work? How does this work today? You know, how can I apply this this scripture today and uh, apply something and is there any change in my heart or in my thoughts or in my attitude that you want from me today is there an action step for me to take how do i apply it and then you pray you begin to pray that in right pray in faith over the word of god that's the soap method very similar to praying the scriptures and then here's your next practical suggestion meditate on the scriptures 
Meditate on the scripture. You know, um, in Psalm 1, it says this, the first few verses. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, whatever he does prospers. On his law, he meditates day and night. What does it mean to meditate on God's word? Well, the Hebrew word here is hagah, which means to repeat or to mutter. To repeat or to mutter. And this really gets at something cool with the scriptures. Because at first, you might look at this verse and say, meditate all day long. Pastor Paul, how in the world can I do that? Just meditate all day long. I've got um, kids. I've got a job to go to. I've got bills to pay. I've got things I've got to do and responsibilities that I have to take care of. I don't have time to sit in a room all day long by myself and just meditate. And the beauty of this word meditate is that it's the opposite of all that. Because you see, in Eastern meditation, the goal is to empty yourself, to completely empty yourself of any influence, any thought, or anything like that. And at best, it just leaves you empty, right? But in Bible meditation, the goal is to fill yourself, is to fill yourself with God's word, with God's ideas, with God's thoughts, with the things that God is thinking. And you do that by um, meditating or repeating or being on the Word of God all, all day long, all right? So this is how it happens. Let me show you how it works. Let's say in your devotional time. In our devotional time, right, we've set aside a time to be with God, and uh, we've been maybe going through the book of Galatians and looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And today, let's say we've been in chapter 6, focusing on especially verses 7 to 10, right? And it says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever re sows to the, please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And let's suppose that we've gone through this scripture devotionally, right? We've maybe prayed through this passage, or maybe we've done the soap method with this passage, and God's been talking to us and speaking to us. And there's one verse that really stuck out to us this morning. And it was that last verse that said, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And that part really stuck out to you, and God was speaking to you, right? As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And so in this process, you've really already been meditating, right? But Here's where it goes into overdrive, right? It's where it turns into the all-day kind of thing. You take that short little passage that you've been praying through and uh, that's really stuck, and then you take that with you into your day. You intentionally keep on bringing it up. You keep on repeating it. Maybe you write it down somewhere you can see it. Maybe you make it your ringtone if you're a millennial, right? Or maybe you uh, put it on your Facebook that someone else can respond to it, right? And then you see it again when, when they respond. Maybe you put it on your, on your Instagram, and you just, all day long, you'll keep on repeating and bringing that, that same thing up, because after all, God's been talking to you about it, right? And wh whatever it is, that, and in our case here, we're saying, as we have opportunity, do good to all people, right? And then all of a sudden, you find you've been repeating that, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts giving you opportunity to apply that. Little ways to do good to all people, you know, or whatever the scripture you've chosen that day to meditate on. Meditate is keep bringing it up. Keep looking at it. Proverbs is a great place to get little scriptures to, to meditate on. 
right, and, and apply. But all through the Bible, God's going to do that. Meditate on God's word. And then your next suggestion, if you're taking notes, is this. Read and engage a whole book of the Bible at a time. You know, rather than the Bible roulette method, right, that's just here and there and jumping all over the place, stay with a book for the whole time. And, uh, or at least a larger section. Like if you're in a long book, at least stay with a larger section of the book, you know. Uh, and, uh, uh, and if you have a short book, this is what I encourage you to do. If you're like in one of the letters or something like that, um, start by reading the entire book in one sitting. Usually you can do that in 15 or 20 minutes, right? And then as you go through it the next day, go through it passage by passage. Do one passage, you know, just a segment, you know, eight or ten verses or something like that. And, um, and then the next segment the next day. And keep doing this here, do, see. I mean, here, see, do, right? Uh, observe, interpret, apply. Keep doing that. And then read the whole book again. And then take it apart a little bit again. And then when you're finally done, read the entire book again. And what you find is you're not just taking a verse out of context. You begin to see how all the verses work together with the passage that it's in. And then you begin to see how each section, each passage, works in the whole book. And you go, oh my goodness, um, that's, 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 how that, that's why that's there here, because it relates back to this here, right? And you begin to understand the message of an entire book. I can remember one time doing this with a group of people um, when I was a pastor in York. And you know, we we're going through it, and they all chose a, a short book to go for, through for 13 weeks. And I chose something a little longer, Hebrews. And I thought I knew it. I thought, you know, I've got, a, I've got a master's degree in theology. I already know this book, what it's about. But as I spent 13 weeks on that book, I discovered there were things that I didn't know about that book. You know, and I've got a master's degree, right? And so, and it was super beneficial for me still, right? And so, um, and there are things like around chapter 12 that all of a sudden I saw related back to like the first couple chapters, right? When he said, therefore. Sometimes they say when the Bible says, therefore, it means look at the previous verse um, to see what it's there for. And, uh, but I found in this case that the therefore that was right there was really, he was saying, since everything I just said for the last 10 chapters is true, it related to all of that, my whole argument, all of this, since all of that is true, therefore, do this. Right? And so <clears throat> stay with a whole book. You'd be surprised at what God begins to show you. And then lastly, engage the word of God in a group context. Engage the word in a group. You know, the longer I live as a Christian, the more I become convinced that the Christian life is intended to be lived in a body of believers. We serve best when we serve together, right? We love best when we love together. And we grow best when we grow together. And so we grow in the word, we engage it privately, and we should also engage it with other believers as well. In a sermon, sure, yes, but also in a smaller context where, where you can engage and give feedback and, and have conversation about it. You can see the early church doing this when Paul talked about the Bereans. He says they were the Berean Jews were of more noble character than the, those in Thessalonica, where they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And the idea is that they did this Together, They were looking at it together. The Greek word for examine in this verse is anakrino. And it has the idea of thoroughly and carefully examining something almost in a legal sense, like sifting through evidence. That's what happens when you look at the word of God in a group, when you look at it together. You hear the truth better. You see the truth better. You apply, you do the truth better. 
Iron sharpens iron. So that's why I'm always encouraging you to do something on purpose this week and to grow on purpose this week and get in the small group, like one of our Bible ed classes on Sunday morning. You're coming anyway, right? So why not come at 9.30, get in a Bible ed class or one of our small groups on Sunday nights. We have um, some that meet here and some that uh, meet off campus as well and in homes. And so, or one of our Wednesday night groups. My goodness, get in Pastor Bernie's Bible study or Pastor Mark's real life group. They're both amazing, awesome groups to get in. And if, um, also, please become my version friend. I really want more version friends, all right? So this past week, a bunch of you, about 30 of you, did uh, uh, a version plan with me on the Gospel uh, of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And, uh, uh, but I have like 60 of version friends here, and only 30 did it with me. So I want all 60 of you to do it. So I'm doing one more this week. You know, sometimes I do them every once in a while, but this is Grow Month, right? So I think I'm going to do one every week during Grow Month. And what we're going to do this week is continue on in Matthew, um, doing a verse a day starting in where we left off in, in Matthew chapter 8. So, um, if you are my version friend, you've already received an invitation. I invite you to uh, accept that uh, before you even leave uh, the church today. And if, you, if you're not my version friend yet, see my beautiful girls here, my, my wife, my two girls, and they can help you after service as well. Become my version friend. All right, do the word of God in a group. All right, so as we get ready to conclude this morning, I have this question for you. When you pray, do you ever feel like your prayers are becoming kind of repetitive or you feel like you're unsure about what you should be praying or if you're doing it right? Um, Or do you lack confidence sometimes in your prayers? Do you feel like that at all, ever? Um, Can I suggest to you that probably what you're lacking is the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, informing your prayers. When your devotion life is informed by and energized by the word of God, what you find is this. God is speaking to you by the word and by the spirit. Your prayers are more conversational than a monologue. You have more confidence in your prayers because they're informed by God's word. And you have more confidence for life because it's informed by God's word. Now, I said last week, you know, I'm going to say it again today. It may seem like I'm all up in your stuff and up in your face, right? And up in your grill about, you know, spiritual growth. And if it seems that way, it's because I am. All right? Because God put that in my job description. I mean, it's there. Look, in our, in our church vision chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Christ gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Why? It says to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what I want for you. I want you to stand before Jesus one day and have Jesus look at you and say, you attained to the whole measure of everything that I had for you. You attain to everything. I want Jesus to look at you and say, everything I envisioned you to be when you came to Christ, that's what you became. You grew and you grew and you grew in the word and you became the best version of yourself. Put your name in there. Be the best version of and put your name in there. That's my heart. That's my passion. I know even a hundredfold more than that, that's Jesus' passion for you. 
And so here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to ask you, if you would just bow your heads with me. And just for a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to just let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Talk to you about the Word of God. Maybe it's about making a time, about setting an appointment. Maybe it's about trying one of these methods or, or being more passionate about the Word of God. Let Him speak to you for a few minutes. And then I'm going to teach you this song. We're going to end with this song about the Word of God. Could you just let God talk to you for a minute? chorus if I can as you sing it and maybe you've heard it maybe not I don't know how you sing it with me as we sing it this chorus ancient words it goes like this ancient words ever true changing me our prayer this morning, God. Your word is a light to our feet, a lamp to our paths, God. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's life for us. Now, God, I pray that this week, all week long, God, we'll be a people who are informed by the light of your word. Speak to us through it, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone that loves him said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you all so much this week. May you be full of God's spirit and his word in Jesus' name. Amen.